0: Necessity as much as patriotism. Nance was highly intelligent and soft-spoken. He was also fastidious in everything he did, and awoke around 2 a.m., dressed in full combat gear. He had not even removed his boots. Nearby were five fellow officers from Company A. By lunchtime, three of them would be dead. In the non-commissioned men's berths, a few men dozed fitfully. Most men sat in silence, alone with their thoughts. Other Bedford boys lay in bunks writing last minute letters home. Nance knew that some would not live to write another. He felt responsible for them all. He had grown up with these men, trained them to be superb soldiers, censored their love letters to girls he knew back in Bedford. The men under his command were family. Their parents and lovers had entrusted Nance and Company A's Captain Taylor Fellers with their lives. At the same time that Nance got up, 21-year-old British Sub-Lieutenant Jimmy Green was woken by an orderly and told that his flotilla commander wanted to see him urgently. Green was second in command of the flotilla, but in full command of the first wave of boats that would land Company A in France. The flotilla had 20 craft, all told, 18 LCAs, landing craft army, and two LCPs, landing craft personnel. Green's commander told him the boats would have to leave earlier than planned because weather conditions in the English Channel were so bad. Green grabbed a cup of tea and a bite to eat and then drew his weapons from the Empire Javelin's store. He had no illusions about what lay ahead. There would be heavy casualties. In his last shore briefing, He had been told to expect to lose a third of his men and his boats. As Green told his men about the weather conditions and consequent changes in course and timetable, Ray Nance went to the officer's mess to eat breakfast, pancakes, sausages, eggs, and coffee. Few actually ate the hearty meal, served by upbeat orderlies in starched white uniforms. Over breakfast, we sat around and shot the breeze, recalled Roy Stevens. We were laughing, joking, carrying on, but you could tell it was phony. Everybody was scared. They were putting on a good front. After breakfast, Nance gathered his kit and climbed up a gangway. A heavy canvas curtain stopped light seeping onto the deck from below. Nance stepped through and into pitch blackness. He went to the rail and looked out at the dark waters, swelling ominously. Suddenly he noticed Captain Fellers at his side. Fellers had, like Nance, grown up on a farm outside Bedford. The two were cousins. Twenty-nine-year-old Fellers was tall and thin, with a prominent chin and rolling gait. He was suffering badly from a sinus infection and looked tired and concerned. Before embarking for France, Fellers had confided in Nance, telling him that very few of the officers and men in Company A would come back alive. Fellers had studied the Allied intelligence and countless aerial shots and concluded that Company A was being sent to face certain slaughter. Fellers and Nance both looked out to sea. "'We stood there a while,' recalled Nance. "'We didn't say a word, not a single word to each other. I guess we'd said it all. An anti-aircraft gun broke the silence, tracer bullets spitting through the sky.' and then a searchlight caught the blaze of an exploding plane. "'That brought it home to me,' recalled Nance. "'This thing is real. It's not an exercise.' Fellers still didn't say a word, and then turned away and went below. A loudspeaker called the British naval crew to its stations. The troops knew they would be next. Ray Nance made his way quickly to where Company A would assemble on deck." Bosun's whistles sounded. "'Now hear this. All assault troops report to your debarkation areas.' As thirty-four Bedford boys emerged from below into the cold darkness, Nance touched every one of them lightly on the arm. "'It was a gesture, a goodbye,' he recalled, sixty years later. "'They were the best men I have ever seen in my life. It was a privilege to be their officer. I loved those men.' The men included husbands, three sets of brothers, pool hall hustlers, a couple of highly successful Lotharios, a minor league baseball player destined for great things, and several Bible-reading quiet young men who desperately missed their